And a very warm welcome to God Botherers with me, Rob Bethel, the layman. And me, the Reverend Martin Little. This is a podcast for those of you who are a little bit curious about this thing called Christianity. What do Christians believe? What do Christians do? And most importantly, to be a Christian, do I have to believe in a bearded sky god? No, no you don't. So join us as we openly explore Christian ideas about life whilst hopefully having a laugh along the way so first of all yeah how's your week been my week has been pretty busy uh rob to be honest so um as you know i'm a vicar right yes you are which uh which keeps me busy uh in the you know we have like last night i was uh being a quiz master for a fundraising quiz right and then uh, this morning I was uh, preaching about the presence of God. Yeah. And then in between, I've had some, um, you know, conversations with people who've, who've lost loved ones or whose loved ones are dying. I've been preparing for school assemblies, you know, so it's, it's a real, you know, uh, cradle to grave um, thing, this parish ministry lark. So mm. I've had a, a full week and very varied, which is both good and exhausting. Goodness, such varied work you do, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, a bit different to my week. I had quite a nice week until today. (laughs) Oh no, what's happened today, Rob? Well, I went to church. (laughs) That was your first mistake, Rob. (laughs) With the children. (laughs) Well, I do struggle taking my two young boys to church. One's three, one's nine. I could probably handle them, like, if I had one or the other. But both at the same time... Double trouble. Double trouble. And, you know, I guess when you're in church... I, I know the, the church is very good at saying, don't, don't worry if your children make a noise or whatever. But if you're in the middle of the prayer bit and your son is playing as loudly as he can, the vibraphone, the toy vibraphone thing... <laughs> a bit awkward (laughs) love it but before that it was a normal week uh, because as you know I do property maintenance work um, and I was working for some lovely clients and I do like getting the chance of listening to podcasts sometimes while I work if I've got some easy work to do like I was doing some gardening so you were listening to some podcasts Yes. And this is a podcast. Yes, this is a podcast. I, I enjoy listening to podcasts so much that I thought maybe you you and I can have a go. Yeah, man. Well, it, it's interesting you say, because I'm, I'm relatively new to the world of podcasts. I've listened to a few here and there, but I'm not a sort of like regular listener to a particular one or, you know, like an avid kind of follower. So I'm, I'm learning. So it's like, you know, I, I sit at your feet, oh, podcast master. <laughs> Well, it's meant to be the other way round. This you're meant to be the the expert, and I'm the layman um, who attends church and is is relatively new to church. And um, so, I guess that's what this podcast is about: exploring mm. Christian faith, going to church, trying to dispel some of the myths of church going that i certainly held and and about christianity so it's about just exploring 
that really. And for selfish reasons, I think it would help me clarify a few things in my head as well. Well, happy to help, Rob. If I can provide clarity, that's a bonus. Um, we we should probably say to anyone who's listening, you know, this is almost a continuation of conversations we had a couple of years ago in the pub, really, isn't it? Yeah. That we, we would get together in the evening and have a couple of pints and, and just chat about all kinds of stuff, mainly faith stuff. Mm. But, but, you know, I think how faith intersects with life and family and work and, you know, where we feel we're led as people and... You know, so we, we had some really good chats, which makes us, you know, which bodes well, I think, for this this series of conversations, I hope. Yes, yes, hear, hear. I, I was wondering if we should have a couple of pints while we're recording this, but I haven't been organised enough to sort that out, so I've just got a glass of water. Well, that's very stoical of you. I, again, I feel like slightly like the, uh, the dodgy partner <laughs> in this, because um, I did have a couple of beers at my dinner, because we had, we had fajitas. I always feel like fajitas, you've got to have lager to go with a fajita. You yes, know? yeah, I mean, lovely. It, so, yeah, so I'm afraid I, I'm, I'm already feeling quite loose, but oh, in good, a good way. good. That's good. Okay, fantastic. What a good start. So, okay. I was wondering if we could talk about our stories, really, how we got to where we are today in, in terms of our faith. Yeah. So I guess to start with, I thought we could try and explore what the definition of faith is. So what that means to us and what it actually means in terms of a definition. Wow. Yeah. So it's quite a big question, I guess. Yeah, man. To start with. So let's do it. So, yeah. What do you think the definition of faith is? Wow. Well... As ever, you know, one question has a whole bunch of underlying assumptions and things, I guess. But maybe we could start with, there's a phrase of St. Paul's where he says that we live by faith and not by sight, mm. which is quite a famous little uh, phrase of his. And um, I suppose to me it, it suggests that, you know, there is a way of living which is not restricted to the physical senses. So we have sense information that comes into us, you know, into our our eyes and our ears and, and our, our fingertips and all that and, you know, our bodies. Mm. But also maybe there's more to us than just the senses. So if there were a kind of, people talk about a sixth sense sometimes, but if there were another way of engaging with the world or another plane of reality that nevertheless uh, spoke to us, we might call that faith, I think. Mm. So maybe there's a start that it's, you know, it depends what you believe about human beings. If you believe human beings are simply a bunch of sort of a bag of cells, you know, we're just physical, then the senses are all we've got. Whereas if we believe that we're body and soul, we believe human beings have a soul or a spirit, then uh, there might be a way that that soul or spirit could be addressed in some way and could also express itself in some way. Mm, that's gold, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just uh, just a starter for ten, I suppose. <laughs> Very good. Um, I yeah, faith for me is believing that there is an intrinsic meaning to life. Part of having faith for me is learning to let go and say I'm not in control of everything, so I'm going to put my faith into God. Mm-hmm. who is certainly in, <laughs> in more control than I am. And it's 
it's feeling okay with that. Mm. So you know that um if you watched Indiana Jones yeah, The yeah. Last Crusade and he Yeah, where he steps out onto the bridge. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit like going, right, I've just gotta put my faith into this mm. and he he takes that step of faith and he hits solid ground, doesn't he? So yeah. it, it's um and he must have felt completely sort of out of control there because he could see that it, it looked like nothing was there, but there was. Yeah. Do you think that's, um, I mean, that's an interesting one. Do you think that's blind faith? Because, I mean, he had no evidence, did he? That the, I mean, I'm going by Indiana Jones here, but yeah. he had no evidence that there was a bridge there. But he sort of thought that, well, there must be, otherwise there's no way across. But is that blind faith to take a step out into a chasm and then just trust that something will be there? Is there a difference between blind faith and, and you know, as a more pejorative term or negative term, and then faith as a more positive well, thing? What do you think? I, uh, I, yeah, I don't think it was blind faith. I think he came to a sort of rational realisation. He just needed to pluck up the courage to take the step okay interesting do you do you think yeah yeah it's just it's an interesting question isn't it you know because i'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit there because oftentimes i think what people who don't have faith or who are a bit suspicious of like religious people will quite often say oh it's just blind faith you know you're just you're just wishful thinking or you're yeah you know you're just sort of casting your bread in the waters and, and really you've no no real evidence yeah. that there is something solid behind it. Yeah. So I guess that's the burden the burden of proof. I mean this is what is the there's a site I've there's a philosophical phrase for it. I forget what it is now, but there's a there's a the burden of proof is on us, I think, as believers to say, you know, this is why I believe, you know, this is what it's this is what it's based on. This is the evidence that I have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, we'll, maybe we'll get to that, I guess, as we talk a bit about how we, how we came to faith, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that goes into it quite nicely. So what's your story, Martin? How, where did it all begin for you? <laughs> it all began with a glint in my father's eye. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, it's a lot. It's a long story as ever, but I mean, I'll try and give you the short version. So for me, I was I was brought up in a Roman Catholic household. So mm. my parents are Roman Catholics. Um, they would go to mass every week. But interestingly, my mum didn't take us when we were little kids. Well, yeah, I know why. I know why she didn't take yeah. you. <laughs> well, yeah, she felt like, oh, I've got crying kids. I'm not going to be welcome. And actually, she was right. The the priest at the time was was really un, unwelcoming. Um, oh, just dear. to put a plug in, church these days, particularly my church. You know, if you come in and your kids make a noise, we're like, we're just glad yes. you're there. You know, yeah. so, you know. So think times have changed. But but anyway, so she didn't really take us as children, but it was sort of always there. And the first time I ever went to church was a Latin mass. Wow. So it was like I thought I'd sort of landed on another planet you know it was this strange language weird sort of men in robes i mean i'd you know i'd watched star wars i knew who obi-wan kenobi was but um so that you know there were certain things that sort of resonated this was i knew there was something holy about it right yeah um but i didn't have a clue what was going on um so so that was my first was a latin mass um and then eventually we went to how old were you 
See, I think I probably would have been about six or seven because my mum, as I said, my mum didn't take us when we were little, but then began when we were a little bit older. And then we went every week to mass. Um, and uh, I did that until I was about 14. Um, and, you know, it was very sort of involved in things. We did a lot of music and stuff. Um, and I used to ask a lot of questions. I have, you know, very, very deep memories of the... Uh, aesthetic experience of being in church. So incense, bells, music, mm, chants, mm. you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And sort of you know, like jolly 1970s Catholic folk hymns. Um, <laughs> so lots of lots and lots of memories. And I had my first communion, had my first confession. But then when I was a teenager, I just began to ask some questions. And I felt like the people in church weren't really giving me any answers. Right. So uh, they would say, "Oh, you come to faith. You 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 work it out in your own time." And I was like, "Yeah, but what about all these big questions?" Mm. And I got really frustrated that they had this kind of woozy, mystical sort of almost kind of brainless attitude. It felt to me. Right. Um, I now think there was some wisdom in what they said, but at the time, it was uh, what well, it didn't do it for me as a questioning teenager. So I left the church for about ten years. Mm. Um, but. But the way I always tell the story is that, that God didn't leave me. So I was always seeking and searching, I think. And I decided at one point that I was going to explore all the major religions and then alight on the one that I thought was true. Yep. Um, yep. But I, I thought, I'll start with Christianity because I know about that. Um, I never got any further. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've looked into some other religions a little bit, but not in, not in any depth. So, so, I, so, to cut a long story short, I came to faith as an adult age 24 through an evangelical church. Mm. So, um, so, more of a conservative kind of Bible-based church. It's a very different yeah, it was very different, and they 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 were able to answer all my questions, yes. which at the time yeah. was amazing, right? Because I was like, "Oh, right, so so like the whole Jesus dying on the cross thing, what was the deal with all that?" And then they were able to tell me exactly how it fitted in in this almost forensic or kind of legal thing that well, it's very very logical, um, and that really helped me at the time, really really helped me, um, and so it sort of. It sort of knocked down a few barriers for me in terms of intellectual, I think, you know, objections I had to, I don't know if I ever really doubted the existence of God, because I'd always had experiences that were, I think, trans going back to the conversation about, you know, how, uh, that sixth sense mm. thing, I'd always had those experiences, I think, of transcendence, mm. um, but, it, but, the, but what those evangelicals did for me was that real logical working stuff through. So anyway, um, I happened to be involved with, with that. And then I had a very powerful experience uh, of sin, actually, of personal sin, mm. um, of feeling, uh, feeling really unworthy and guilty. And one night I cried out to God and, and said, you know, I, I just want this feeling to go away. It was awful. It was eating me up inside. I felt awful about myself. And and that night when I sort of, it wasn't even really a prayer, it was more of a sort of cry of the heart, um, I felt that um, feeling of guilt completely removed from me. Um, and it was a really, really powerful experience. And what and, and that was the night I became a Christian, essentially. Wow. The, the cool thing about it, though, was that in that moment when I had that experience of the guilt being lifted off me, I remembered some words from the Mass, that I used to say every week without even thinking about it, mm. which were the Agnes Dei, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Yes. And um, 
And I suddenly knew what that meant, right? Because Jesus had taken away my sin, or so I perceived mm. it. Um, and suddenly, something that was a meaningless phrase um, meant the, absolutely everything right. to me. Yes. Um, so from there, I I had to. I had a friend of mine who was sort of guiding me through some stuff, and he said, "Look, Martin, I think you became." I told him this story, and he said, "Look, Martin, I think you became a Christian last night." And I went, "Nah, nah, I'm not one of them." You know, I really didn't. You know, it just it sounds so sad. You know, um, so because uh, uh, you know I really wasn't doing very godly things at the time. So, uh, but. Yeah, so I, I mean, I resisted it, but I came to real over the next few weeks, months. I came to accept that that's what happened, and it did totally change my life in lots and lots of ways. And I've never, I've had really difficult times in my faith, but I've never really looked back from that moment, uh, which was when I was twenty-four. So, and I'm now forty-three, so it's nearly twenty years ago. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I feel old. Oh, dear. I'm with you there. Okay, so that's the short version of my story. But um, tell, tell us about you, Rob. Well, it was wonderful to hear that. Thanks for sharing that, Martin. So, yeah, my story's a little different. I was brought up in a completely non-religious house, never went to church. The only experience of religion I had when I was young was going to... Church of England primary school. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do it anymore, but in our assemblies, we would sing hymns. Um, oh, yeah, I still do that. I do that. Yeah, we do that. We still do yeah. that. Um, what else did we do? It just had stories from the Bible and things like that. So it was there. Um, hmm. And I always seem, you know, that sixth sense you were kind of talking about. Um, I always felt like something like God was there. Then I ended up in secondary school. You know, there were religious assemblies. um, And I remember being given a a Gideon's Bible. Were you given one of those? Yeah, yeah, I was given one of those. Um, Now, I I didn't enjoy secondary school for various reasons. And I did turn to that little red Gideon's Bible in times of need, Um, because it was, it's a shame, I don't think I have it anymore, but it would say, you know, if you're feeling anxious, read these chapters and verses. Um, So it was, (laughs) it was really good like that. Yeah, there was that. So, and I, but I felt the culture in secondary school was very much, um, if you were a Christian, you were sad, you were a square, um, and you'd basically get picked on. So I learned pretty quick to keep my mm. thoughts to myself about that. I was like a undercover Christian, I guess I would say. So then I left there, um, ended up in college, and there were some friends there that were going to a Pentecostal church. So very evangelical. Yeah, yeah. And some. Um, so I went I went there. I kind of got freaked out. It was a bit sort of too hard for me. It was all, you know, people were going to hell. Yeah. And the very literal way in which they were reading passages in the Bible, sure. it, it just wasn't a good fit for me. So after that, I kind of turned turn my back on religion um, 
and I ended up reading Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion. Mm-hmm. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. I've, I've, I've read sort of preces of it, you know, and reviews and things, but no, I've never actually read it cover to cover. Yes, and it, it's, um, it's funny, at the time I was bowled over by it, yeah. and I was like, yeah, of course, of course all this religion stuff is um, awful and it causes wars. And But looking at it now, it's, it's quite a simplistic take on religion really and the world i was in at the time was very sort of um alternative Mm -hmm. um a bit hippie anti-establishment yeah yeah that sort of stuff so i was kind of all in that world i became a social worker and i was kind of an ultra rationalist Mm mm-hmm um, I wouldn't ever call myself an atheist, though, at that time. Interesting. I, would, I still had one foot in each camp, so I was on the verge of... I, I was an agnostic atheist. Okay. If that's such a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I, I pretty much thought I had it all worked out, and all this religious stuff was complete nonsense. But then something massive happened. My younger brother took his own life Mm. and that changed everything for me um it set me on a journey trying to find out why someone would take their own life yeah and it got me into thinking what i said at the start when we were talking about the definition of faith is there a meaning to this life yeah so I remember kind of, I kind of started taking an interest in um, Christian sort of things again, but in a sort of secret way again. Yeah. Yeah, tiptoeing around the edges. One day I was feeling particularly down, I guess. I, really, I was in quite a depressed state at that time. Um, and to help me through, when I'm, Going through difficult times, I like to keep busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd put our house number on our house. Uh, so I went outside with my drills, got got everything ready. Um, and then I heard church bells in the distance. Mm. It was a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and something inside me, I, can't, I still can't really explain this said that I should go. So so I put down my tools um, and my wife was inside and I said, I know this sounds really weird, but (laughs) I'm going to church. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So I just went um, and I went through the door. And as I said, I wasn't brought up going to church. So I didn't, I wasn't really too sure what to expect really, but I sat down beautiful church as you know because you were curate there yeah the aesthetics you were talking about really struck me Mm. and there's something that's something i used to really poo poo i was a bit like puritan yeah um before and i didn't really see the need for all this fluffy nice beautiful art stuff going on Mm. And then the vicar, he asked us to talk to our pew neighbour what God is to us. Or was it, it was something like that. I can't quite remember. Mm. And I said, 
God loves me. Mm. And it was a very emotional moment, actually. It's crazy thinking about it now. I mean, the journey I'd gone from, yeah, like ultra-rationalist, and here I was sat in the church yeah, saying yeah, God man. loves me. Very, very strange. Um, and then it just went from there, really, and I just kept going. And I went as a sort of investigator yeah, into yeah. Christianity. Um, so I was still trying to be as objective as I could be and just to learn. Um, and I had, yeah, lots of barriers and in terms of, I don't know, maybe we'll get into it, but the, the typical things people say about the church and things like that. Sure, sure. But I kept on going and then until eventually I thought, yeah, this is, this is for me. Mm. This is what I want to put my faith into yeah uh, this is what i believe and i got confirmed last november congratulations thank you and here i am <laughs> it's great man it, you know what a wonderful story rob you know and uh it, it i mean there's lot, I mean, lots of things i could comment on but it may be interesting to look at some points of of convergence in our two stories you know we've both had mm. our we've both had our times in the wilderness i suppose and and we've both been seekers and investigators. We've both, I think, and we, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like we've both tried to stay sort of slightly on the outside and be an objective observer. Yeah. But pretty soon, I think, or, you know, after a while, you discover, I think, with, with faith that it's not really something you can just dissect objectively. Yes. Yeah. You, you pretty, to understand it, you have to get on the inside of it. You know, mm. um, and that's when it starts to sort of make sense. I think you know, like you need to do that questioning and all that, and mm. that's a really important part of it. But to really, you know, it's like taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, don't just stand there looking at the menu. You know, you've got to, you've got to yeah. actually chow, chow down on it. You know, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you discover that oh, this makes a difference. You know, I, I love your thing about you know that it reminds me of there's a book that John Betjeman wrote a book called Summoned by Bells. Oh, right. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, well, I, I mean, I've got it. I don't think I've read I mean, he was a poet, really. I've read his poems, you know, John Betchman. They're sort of witty and quite loving poems about the church, really. But um, but his autobiography, I think, is called Summoned by Bells. Oh, goodness. So it just puts me in mind of, in mind of you, you know, drilling your house sign on <laughs> yes. and then being summoned by bells, you know. And, and you know, I, yeah. It's amazing, and and to to then get to then get to church and have this amazing intuition that God loves us, that He loves us, you know. And I remember you telling me that story, you know, a few years ago, and saying you just had this sense that oh, He loves us, He loves us. And I'm like, I remember when you first told me that, I was like, yeah, you've completely understood <laughs> what the Christian faith is about by pure <laughs> intuition or by pure revelation, you know, or by pure need, mm. perhaps, to know that you were loved, you know, and because and, that, that's what it all boils down to. And, you know, we talked a bit more about uh, earlier on about, um, I think you said about control mm. and that sense of, you know, we're, we're always taught that we're in control of our own life. I can go my own way, you know, Fleetwood Mac style. And, uh, yeah. you know, you, you sort of, you, you know, you're taught to be this independent person, and and uh, and to grow up, whereas the Christian faith is about discovering. Well, yes, that's true, 
but real personal growth and real freedom become comes from realizing actually you're not in control and when yeah. when when suffering comes along when something awful like what happened with your brother when something yeah. awful like that happens and you're not in control of it and you can't comprehend it yeah you, you you know being in control or pretending you're in control isn't any blooming help really you, you mm. need to know that you're loved that that's the most important thing um so it's a strange thing you know it's like when jesus talks about being we had this reading this morning about nicodemus you know who who goes yeah. to jesus and he's asking him questions and jesus says you've got to go back and be reborn you've got to go back to that state of being a little ch- a little child again and mm. discover dependence on god and only then will you be free, you know? Wow. Um, what I'm slightly concerned about is people thinking that I just kind of fell for it because, oh, there's this lovely heaven in the sky and my brother's there and it's all fine. And it it, it wasn't like that at all. I wasn't after that. Mm. Yeah. Because I used to, before I was a Christian, when people had a death and then they they seemed to find Christianity after mm-hmm. that, um, and I always sort of poo-pooed it mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, they're, they're just wanting some comfort to think that sure. their loved one is in heaven. So if they believe that, then yeah. Um, yeah. it's all fine. But it, that's what I... Used to think, well, but it's it's way more sophisticated than that. Yes, and 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 you've got to ask yourself the question: Why is something less intellectually convincing because it's comforting? Yes, yeah. And why is something beautiful and good and pure to be poo pooed? Right? Mm. Maybe it's it's our arrogance, right? That's a fault, not the person who has a simple faith in heaven. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? So you've got to yeah. you've got to unpack some of those uh, those presuppositions, and I mean that's that's my beef with Dawkins, you know, and and mm. and you know probably people like Stephen Fry and you know these sort of yeah. celebrity atheists who who look down their nose at people with faith. Um, you know, you've got to look at what are the what are the underlying presuppositions there, and you know I always I, I have no problem at all in telling people very simply that their loved one has gone to heaven, mm. partly because I believe it, mm. and also because it's incredibly powerful, and it brings hope. Whereas to say to someone, well, you know, they lived an okay life, but actually life doesn't mean anything, so it was probably a bit of a waste of time, and you would have been better off not loving them, because you just got hurt, didn't you? What an idiot you are, you know. What kind yeah. of life is yeah. that, you know? Yes. What kind of, how helpful is that? Whereas, whereas to believe that we're made from love we're made for love and we're going to love well that's that's a way of life i can get behind you know it's a cohesive absolutely robust system of meaning that mm. uh that speaks to the the depth of human experience so you know what's to hate <laughs> so well put martin so well put <laughs> So before as a Christian, I had such a simplistic view of what I thought Christianity was about. Mm. Um, And just having that experience of going to church as a sort of outsider and really questioning things and pushing things, um, I began to realize how real 
it was um yeah. how deep it was i mean yeah. i i feel like i'm just scratching the surface me too man yeah yeah and it's that that um coming to re- it's sort of anti it's an anti arrogance that starts to happen i was so arrogant before I started going to church, I really thought I had all the answers. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of started bit by bit to be chipped away. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I started to realize I I know nothing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, but that, you know, but that's, that's intellectual humility, mm. which is a pretty good, pretty good thing to, to, th- to foster i mean of course you know christians wrote the book on being arrogant right so <laughs> so we're not immune from these things right absolutely um, not. you know so, so i think i think there's a danger that someone listening to this could think oh look, you know aren't you know aren't they self-congratulatory that they've they've found the answers and they're, <laughs> yes. and they're sneering we're, but i think it's not that you know i think it, it's uh it's not that we've now got all the answers but we do know one who does right and it's it's where we go to with our questions and mm. you know i think yeah the, the the arrogance is and and is always a danger uh and it and in a way it's even more of a danger once you've once you've you've firmly set foot on a path of faith that all of, all of a sudden the danger is that you go back to that arrogance but in a yeah. different form so so i think we we've always got to hold that humility before us but but this that's what's so powerful about our stories i think and why it's so great to share our stories with each other because it reminds you go back to that time with oh man wasn't i arrogant then yeah and oh yeah. man didn't i do this and didn't i do that and it just keeps your feet on the ground you know i mean there's a lovely definition of um of 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 sort of spiritual accompaniment right so people walking with each other on a journey of faith which is that we're like two beggars and one beggar is just showing the other beggar where to find a piece of bread wow and i really like that because it's like because you know you you joke that i'm the expert well yeah okay i've been to theological college and that but i'm just i'm just the same as you i'm just you know i just happen to have found some stuff um, and I'm like, look, isn't it great, Rob? And you've and you've found some stuff too, in in a way that's different, but but um, but has has a lot of resonance. And you're like, oh, Martin, I've discovered this, and and that that's how we do it, you know. So, yeah. Anyway, all of which is say, humility is always a good thing if we can manage it. <laughs> There's a challenge for us. Oh yes, yes, oh, always a challenge. Yeah, very well yeah. put. Whatever camp you're in, there's always a danger of arrogance. Yeah. Thanks so much, Martin. You're very welcome, Rob. Thank you, brother. Thanks for organising this, dude. And we'll uh, look forward to next time. Fantastic. I look forward to it too. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to God Botherers. If you would like to get in touch or suggest any topics for discussion, please contact us at godbotherspodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be discussing having doubt in faith. And don't miss future episodes by subscribing to our podcast. Many thanks. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.